Hello, welcome to Locked On Suns, part of Locked On Podcast Network. Today, as always, my host, Evan Sider, and join my co-host, Brendan Clean. You can follow me on Twitter at Sider. You can follow Burn on Twitter at Clean 14 Also, follow our Locked On Suns Twitter page if you aren't already at Locked On PHX Suns. Your support is very much appreciated, as always. As you guys know by, as you guys know by now, we're joining live inside the Bowser Talks Resort Arena for our usual home game recaps. The Suns are streaking, Brendan. They have won three straight for the last five now, improved to 15-51 and the season with tonight's win over the New York Knicks, 107-96. And even then, the 11-point win really wasn't that close. The Suns were up by 20 points in the fourth quarter until they let off the gas late in that game. So just your overall takeaways for tonight's game were really, after the first quarter where they struggled pretty hard, the Suns took over the last three quarters and just ran away with it. Yeah, they played like they should. I mean, to, to close the game, the last three quarters really weren't close. I think that was what you ideally would have expected. Expect is almost like a strong word at this point because it's impossible to have any idea what to expect most nights here. But just with the way they've been playing, even if you include that New Orleans game for nine days now, I think it's been a it's been a clear even just watching the team. Forget the wins; like this feels like a, a more competitive team, and so we saw that. But I think the the locker rooms a lot of, a lot more cheerful, a lot happier is, to yeah. be in on nights like this, nights like Saturday and Monday as well, and. Um, I don't know if you caught it, but after the game, the the memory that will stay with me from what this the win streak felt like, because the last one was on the road. We didn't really get to see any of it. Sarver's down in the in the bottom. Oh, okay. I did not see this. Aiton runs, runs down, picks up his little sister, spins her around and screams three in a row, and, like, high-fives Sarver and runs to the locker room. And I was like, wow, things change in a hurry. Wow, yeah, that's – I did not even know that happened, so – that's a really actually cool story that you told there and kind of speaks to how winning does flip the attitude of especially a young team too when you get down the dumps like it was with 17 straight losses now for their last five is, is wins so this could be like we said at the very beginning of the season i don't want to toot our own horn here but we kind of said march and april could be the time for the suns to make a little run here to close the season and looking at this next team that's obviously tanking now you have the warriors and the blazers obviously this weekend but you look past that a couple weeks down the road there's going to be some teams on the schedule like the Cavaliers, the Grizzlies. We've talked about some of the couple episodes now where this could be actually a legit opportunity for the Suns to improve in the last 15, 20 games. Yeah, more East teams at home. I mean, I think that's the key. They have Washington, Atlanta, uh, Chicago, all those kind of crappy tanking teams at home. Like like tonight, they'll have a good opportunity to win. But, I mean, the big guy, I, we agreed, we'll probably just spend a little bit of time on him from tonight. Season high, home career high for Devin Booker with 41 14 of 23 shooting, 6 of 10 from 3, didn't get to 7 threes. No, it's, it's never going to happen. Gonna happen. Uh, five rebounds, four assists. Just kind of started slow like the rest of the team, but that second quarter especially, I think he scored 16 or 18 16, in the second yeah. quarter. And one of the best nights, I mean, obviously, home home, home career high, it is the best that we've ever seen from him personally So, or in person. So, I mean, just from start to finish, you could tell he was really feeling it. He loves playing the Knicks. I don't know what it is, yeah, but he just destroys the them. Every time he plays the Knicks, he goes off. And I think he went for 38 against the Knicks earlier this season, now 41. 46 and was against them, too. Oh, no, that was 46 Philly. Sixers, yeah, yeah, yeah last year in Philly. Philly. But um, looking at the numbers again here, 6 of 10 from 3, like you mentioned. But in the last three quarters of that, he was 0 for 3 in the first quarter, so 6 for 7 from 3. And that's kind of the first game, like you mentioned, Brian. We've seen in person as far as the talking series or arena where Booker's just locked in. Like, he's – from the third, really at the beginning of the second quarter through middle of the fourth quarter, he wasn't missing. Like he maybe maybe missed one or two shots out of that. Yeah, I think this is the. I mean, it's it's almost dicey to even get into because 
it, it gets too long term. But like a night like this where he's playing a little more off the ball, you really start to see what that could look like. Yeah. You know, you put him in a situation where guys like Ubre and Johnson know what to do with the ball in their hands and turning defense into offense, just getting him easier shots, I think was really the key and kind of did a little bit of a, of a Clay Thompson impersonation tonight, just lighting it up from distance and just a couple dribbles and a shot most of the time. This wasn't a you know high pick and roll. I'm gonna get hit in the hit in the chest and try to toss up a layup. Like it was a pretty easy 41. You could tell. I mean, even Tyler Johnson in the locker room it felt like a quiet 41 points. Just how easy it was for him. But we, I think the, the shooting numbers kind of tell itself with the catch and shoot discrepancy and also the off the dribble discrepancy with his percentages. Just like when you have Booker's running off screens, do what he did tonight. I mean, he is one of the top maybe top 10 scorers in the NBA, top five. Yeah, and then obviously playing off that as well, like he he has that ability with the ball in his hands. We saw him picking on Dennis Smith Jr. They were running a screen, just pulling like a, you know, LeBron James, I'm going to get the worst defender on the court, run a pick and roll with his guy and post that guy up. And he got a, a, a shot over the top of DSJ and then drew a foul on like two or three consecutive possessions. So, you know, he has the other parts to his game, but when you can free him up to get that rhythm going, not with the ball in his hands, like forget about it. And we saw just what that does to the offense tonight. They, they blew a bad team out. That's what it should look like. It seems like now, I mean, we can focus, we'll focus on the, the five games that won for the last five on tomorrow's show going through the numbers here. But just looking at that five-game stretch just with Booker himself real quickly, it seems like him and with, this could be a good segue to the Tyler Johnson as well. Just it seems like those two are clicking in, especially when you see Tyler Johnson's his turnover ratio since he's been here, plus 4.4. 40 turnovers, nine assists. I mean, that's kind of like you said in the locker room to me, just a perfect role for not only him, but also for a guy like Booker as well to have a guy like Johnson next to him. Yeah, I think it, it's really clicking right now. It's showing, I think the, I remember just being confused that day when people were like, oh, perfect salary to match. Like maybe that's what ends up happening. I'm not going to pretend like I know that, but I think we're seeing how useful he is as a player right now and how good a fit he is next to Booker because uh, not only the the playmaking, just making smart decisions. I don't think he's a guy that has every single pass in his arsenal, whipping whipping the ball around the court, but makes the right play, doesn't turn it over too much, can obviously knock down the shots, which we've seen over the past week when it was, it didn't start that way by any means. But um, yeah, I think the the role he played in Miami not not like I watched a ton of heat, but I just always remember you know he felt to me like guy that's just going to go get up shots in the second unit you know maybe maybe he scores 30 and you win or maybe you know goes 40 percent from the field and and you know that just it that's far from what he's been doing in phoenix here especially during this winning stretch and i think tonight was a pretty good encapsulation even i mean even on monday too those four steals were huge he just he just makes plays kind of when you're not expecting it Winning plays and a winning attitude too. He's also brought from the from Miami, and I really think more about it. Just they had Goran Dragic, they had Josh Richardson. Maybe they had too many cooks in the backward, so to say. Just for me, yeah, especially Dwayne Wade too. Added him with Devin Booker now instead, with just all those less minutes you had in Miami. He's really starting to thrive in this role. He had 14 points, six assists, only one turnover tonight to add that really amazing assist turnover ratio since he's been a part of the Suns team leading plus 18 to plus minus category tonight. So. Just with Tyler Johnson, he played 29 minutes tonight. He's probably going to play around 25, 30 each night moving forward. Just what do you think just about Johnson since he's been here? Because it's obvious he's had nights where he doesn't score the ball, but there's nights more consistently now where he's putting in about 10 to 15 points per game while also kind of taking an ideal number two role behind Booker as far as in the backcourt goes. Yeah, and super efficient. I mean, to only take eight shots but still have an impact scoring, uh, I think that's that's really the key for him. 
Uh, I've tweeted today that I think like he could even be a little bit more aggressive, I think, because I, you know, you, you watch what's really worked for Kokoshkov's offenses in the past, you know, Dragic and Doncic, or it's, you know, Rubio and Mitchell, both guys really being aggressive, trying to score the ball is, is when it's at its best to put that much pressure on the defense, the blender that we haven't heard about oh, in a while, but, a while. but uh, that, that's obviously still what he wants to get to eventually. And I think Johnson being even more aggressive, I think he's, he's being patient right now trying to find his way, but I think he's there, and I think we could see you know, even bigger scoring nights from him going forward. It took about two weeks for his adjustment period to happen, but it seems like he's definitely his adjustment period is pretty smooth now with the Phoenix Suns. But we can move on here to our next guy on the list here, which is Kelly Oubre Jr. He had 18 points, four rebounds, four assists, or excuse me, one assist, two steals, and a block, plus minus a plus eight to nine, 28 minutes, seven to 15 from the field. Three straight efficient nights as well out of Kelly Oubre offensively. So it seems like he's really spreading his wings and fighting a groove here in Phoenix, and he's really embracing that. Yeah, he's been incredible. I mean, I think he's probably been the second best player during this five games here that they've that they've kind of gotten back to normal. And um, a, a, what I'm most impressed with it by him is just the fact that he can uh, he'll he'll do it in spurts, but he's not he's not streaky. It's just like he kind of chooses his spots and he can continue to impact the game in other ways. And then you know a few minutes later. He hits another shot. It doesn't, you know, come and go with him. You feel that. You feel his presence. You feel his his effort, of course, throughout the entire game. And I think the Suns really one of the things that they were lacking, even when Ariza was here, even when Warren was healthy, was a guy who was consistent on both ends for 48 minutes. Like that sounds simple, but they just didn't have a lot of guys like that. And he's definitely been that. I think the Uber sequence that really wrapped things up for me tonight, as far as just his overall impact on this team, was that in the first quarter when he first came in, they were down and they were really sluggish. They were barely scoring the ball. I think Igor asked him to just be an energy spark there. I, excuse me, he started the game, obviously. But the second quarter when he came back in, there was a, a sequence there where he, he they were kind of struggling with the ball. Igor asked him to come back in as an energy spark. It's 30 seconds into the game, probably 15 seconds, he gets a steal and a dunk. So like, that's yeah. just the kind of guy Ubre seems to be with this team. And what do you think? I, I asked you this in Cody Cunningham, a Suns.com, waiting for Igor in game. But is right now, just right now, I, I think that Mikhail Bridges is – going to be the best wing on this team in a year or two, but just right now, do you think he, Oubre is the best wing on this team? Yeah, I think it, it's he's really cemented that since the All-Star break for me. Um, we talked to Michael Pina, and I remember that one of the things that he said in his reporting, talking about the Suns a little bit, and in the story we were talking to him about was uh, some of the assistants and front office people, I don't know who he talked to, of course, but were a little bit hesitant questioning just the – kind of playing for the flair and, and big plays more than a disciplined style that obviously the Suns want to build. And I, I really can say I've been trying to watch it, and it seems like he's really buying in and, and trying to play what, the way that this team wants to play and be a part of that. And you hear it with what he says. I mean, he, he doesn't talk about, you know, I'm, I'm about to get a paycheck or anything crazy like that. All of what he's saying is – how excited he is to be able to be a leader on on a team like this and he definitely is in the process though i mean at this point i was telling myself i mean you, you gotta pay him <laughs> like, oh, yeah yeah i mean and that's that's the other thing you got to think about because every every time we talk about how much better he looks everyone around the league's probably noticing the same thing and the more they win the more eyes will turn and maybe that paycheck goes up a little bit yeah restricted free agents with kill your birds gonna be one of the most interesting things to fall with the suns this summer but uh before we go on to our next time here quickly going over our negatives from tonight's game our flagrant fouls i want to tell you really quickly about our locked on nba twitter account 
If you're not already doing so, go ahead and follow at Locked.NBA.net on Twitter. It is one of the most valuable resources on NBA Twitter. Brent and I's accounts are both synced on there for your Phoenix coverage you guys love here on Locked on Suns. But there's so many other voices that you might be missing out around the network. So if you're not already doing so, go and follow at Locked.NBA.net on Twitter. I want to also tell you guys <clears throat> about Homie. You, you're familiar with them, I'm sure, by now. I've been hearing me tell you about them for quite a while. I really hope that you guys check them out. They are really making a difference here, and uh, it's been exciting to see them kind of grow and see people around the Internet and everything taking advantage. And uh, what they do is, is, is awesome. They sell your house for a flat rate of $1,500, so that's cutting out, think about, thousands of dollars from what you typically would pay. Uh, the average homey customer is saving over $10,000. They help you qualify for a loan to make the process of buying your dream home even easier. And then on the back end, they're there to help you qualify for a refund of $5,000 for anybody who buys a home with them. Uh, in addition to the team that they've put together of realtors and attorneys to help you every step of the way. So if you haven't already checked out homey, you are definitely missing out. To learn more about my friends at homey, Text HOMIE, H-O-M-I-E, to 88588. Again, that's HOMIE, H-O-M-I-E, to 88588. Alrighty, the only big flagrant foul that I think came out of tonight's game was Josh Jackson. Uh, Just a rough, overall rough night. I mean, I think it's one of the worst games we've seen from him in a while. I know a lot of people on Twitter were kind of piling on and, and fairly, like 0 of 7 from the field, three turnovers, just an ugly, ugly game. And I think they're, again, continuing to not put him in position to succeed, defending Noah Vonley a lot of the night. It's just silly. Like, he's not a four. What's crazy to me is that I saw a sequence, I think it was the third quarter when Mikhail Burris was guarding Noah Vonley, and he seemed like he could handle him, but yeah. Jackson did the same thing. He couldn't handle him. He got him. a steal on, on him. Bridges did. Yeah, that's right, he did. But um, thinking about that, just when I keep coming back to this just because it's ingrained in my mind that Ryan McDonough, the former GM of the Suns, said McHale was a 3-4 when he was drafted, but it seems like he's just been a 2-3 under yeah. new leadership. Do, are you surprised that they haven't tried maybe McHale at the 3-4 and then Jackson at the 2-3? Because it just seems like maybe those guys in reverse roles would be better because Jackson at 200, 205 pounds soaking wet, I know Burgess is probably around the same weight, but the length yeah. makes up for it. It just seems like playing with the four against these brute fours like Vonley and other guys just isn't the right idea. Yeah, I mean – weight is is part of it but I think the length like you said plays a part but I mean Bridges is also what two years older than Josh at this point and has just that grown body I think that helps obviously too and um just the 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 wherewithal to do it I I think it it has been one of the more puzzling things it's obviously been swept under the rug because it hasn't been like oh that's the reason they're losing or anything but we saw Josh have so much success against small players, playmakers last year, and it's been a complete switch where Bridges is taking those assignments. Yeah. Josh is mostly guarding the bigs, and it really isn't working. Like That's what's most frustrating to watch about it, but uh, it'll be something to monitor going forward because we've also seen Bridges have success. You mentioned Vonley tonight, of course, had that steal, but even you know Pascal Siakam hit the game winner over him, but he had success that night. That was a, a surprise shot at the end of that game. So... Uh, it's it is puzzling, and I think it'll probably by next year. I, I don't know if we'll be seeing that as Bridges has another summer with an NBA training staff. But just the insistence on doing it that way when the results aren't there, it, it is confusing. But what's your flagrant foul? My flagrant foul is going to be Jamal Carver. Before we go to Crawford, really quick, I just want to ask one more thing on Jackson. Just oh, oh, seven from the field, like you mentioned there. But it seemed like tonight was one of the more the the obvious night scene where his tunnel vision on offense was really, really bad. Like he missed a lot of open shots for Troy Daniels. He missed a lot of shots for even cutters like Ubre and Bridges. 
it just seems like Jackson's kind of pressing out there right now. I don't know why, but it just seems like he only played 25 minutes tonight. Ubre is playing well. Burris is playing well. And maybe it seems like Jackson has to do more than he wants or I mean, he wants to do more than the, the team wants to right now because it just seems like the more I watch and the more it just seems like he's kind of pressing in a role he doesn't want to be in right now. Yeah, I think the that's kind of corresponded to going back to the bench and maybe that, that has something to do with it. Tried to dunk over Mitchell Robinson, which was a, a bad call, to say the least. Not a good decision there. Somebody who's listed at seven one, I feel like he's more like seven eight. <laughs> he feels like a monster out there. Yeah, he he's by far bigger and taller than Aiton. I mean, I I feel like I can say that pretty confidently. And anyone who's seen Aiton knows how big he is. So Mitchell Robinson was the biggest surprise of this game by far for me. But. Jackson trying to dunk through him just kind of I think encapsulates what you're talking about a little bit do you think the benching had anything to do with that that meeting or, or whatever the event the fries yeah. yeah I'm starting to think that that actually did play a part in that I know they'll never admit that to the media but I feel like that actually did play a part because when you see Bender's only playing 12 to 15 minutes per game played 18 tonight just because foul trouble it's se- yeah and Uber too it just seems like that honestly might be playing a factor here yeah it's pretty weird I mean I, I don't think yeah we'll never know that's not going to be they never are going to come out and say yep we benched josh jackson because he didn't show up but it it was can't be a coincidence nothing else really changed that would ignite that transition so it's puzzling and we'll see more of a shuffle when warren eventually comes back if i guess we have to start saying if and when warren comes back who knows at this point but uh, before we go on to our final segment here. Crawford. Oh, yeah, we got to do our, our yeah. second one. Uh, I forgot. I pivoted back to Jackson real quick, but let's do Jamal Crawford. Just We don't have to stay, spend too long on him, but he only played 14 minutes tonight, 0 of 3 from the field, 3 assists. He had zero turnovers in that in that 14 and a half minutes, but took a couple of mid-range jumpers that fall tonight, 0 of 3. But you see D'Anthony Mellon maybe chipping into his minutes as well, 7.5. Troy Daniels, who I want to hit on as well really quickly, just I feel like Troy Daniels is playing so good right now to the point where he has to – Igor's gonna have to make some rotation change if it's not playing Jamal Crawford if it's not playing if it's playing Josh Jackson less minutes I think Troy Daniels over the past week or so has proven to me and I think to everyone else that he deserves a lot more minutes than he's getting in the rotation yeah he's an unconscious shooter of course didn't go down tonight so much but almost all of them circled around the rim he's just I mean he's one of the best shooters in the league that's that's just true at this point had a nice drop pass on a never uh, seen him do that either never seen him do that and it looked like natural it looked like he'd been doing that his whole career so uh yeah he he's definitely I think taken advantage of these, these past two seasons and gotten a lot better even though he hasn't gotten on the court quite as much as he might have hoped and him not being on the court, Melton not being on the court is frustrating. We also haven't seen those two guys together much, which long-term Daniels probably isn't going to be a part of this team. So that's not super important. But we finally saw Melton and Okobo play together for the last minute and a half, yeah. which we really haven't gotten to see at all either. So just kind of uh, puzzling why Crawford continues to play. We've been hitting on that all year. But at this point, I think he's just going to get his minutes if he's active and if he's ready to play. Yeah, that's a really good way to sum it up. I don't think yeah. we have to spend too much time on Jamal Crawford, but do you want to go into our stat to watch real quick? Yeah, before we do that, I uh, want to remind you guys, make sure you're taking advantage of all the different ways to access our show. We love the support you give us over on the podcast app or Bright Side of the Sun, however you normally get to the show. But if you have Bluetooth, if you have a speaker that responds to your voice, uh, you can just tell it to play our show. Play, Just say, play podcast Locked on Phoenix Suns, and it'll cue it up and start the most recent episode so it's a great way to keep up with everything we're doing all righty st- uh, stat to watch here i'm actually going to go rebounds today because uh not something that would have been 
likely oh, yeah, in the past this year for the Suns to be out-rebounded this much. I mean, any team, but especially with how much of a problem it's been for the Suns this year. We we didn't see anyone in for Phoenix get more than six rebounds. Aiton led the team with six. They only got 31 as a team. Uh, with Jordy, Andre Jordan, and Mitchell Robinson in New York, they combined for 46 as a team, 22 between those two bigs. And obviously the Suns won this game by a pretty con- – considerable margin so just a weird thing I mean you look around there's not really a number that jumps out to you as a reason the Suns won there they just executed better but getting out rebounded like that and still winning is pretty impressive it is I didn't even know that discrepancy was that big 15 especially when you see Aiden didn't really have a big rebounding night DeAndre Jordan on the other side though did but yeah that is a weird number and it's kind of surprising that the Suns did win in blowout fashion even though they were out rebounded by that much but for my stat to watch it's going to be a pretty easy number here it's going to be the steals which is 11 and you compare that to the Knicks who had six but this is just an identity former I think it's been going since December since Uber has been here they're one of the league leading teams in steals they had four guys tonight with multi-steal at least two steals which was um let me see here it was Rashawn Holmes Mikhail Bridges who had three and three minutes by the way and also Devin Booker and Kelly Oubre but this identity of them with deflections and steals has been going for about two months now but it seems like it's really if they want to keep most of these guys around as far as continuity goes with Ubre Bridges and the rest of the guys for next year these are types of games and really the past few months you can build off of as far as if we're locked in we can be one of the most active defensive teams in the league yeah I think it definitely shows that blocks too I mean I think they had 10 on Monday they had nine tonight so both of those I think when you talk about somebody like Ubre being infectious and really his his style his all-around ability rubbing off or even just kind of igniting that type of style within the team I think those numbers are the ones you point to because he's a monster in those categories those hustle categories on defense and obviously Bridges has been the same his whole career his whole career his this whole season so um, it's it's definitely going to be something where if they're doing that that's a pretty good signal that they're going to win but do you feel like it's been a little more in control because I know one of the complaints from a lot of people has been okay they're they're getting those steals but they're getting them even when they get blown out at and sometimes it's it's gambling or it's it's kind of breaking out of what they want to run on defense and to just try to get those loose balls. Do you think that's been better this stretch? Yeah, it seems like they're actually like pressuring those guys in the in the turnover instead of just like lazy passes or they're up by 15 points. Okay, get another easy steal or something like that. But it seems like they're actually locking in. They're playing aggressive man-to-man defense and especially the Ubre, especially the Kilbers tonight who had a hot start to get in the foul trouble. I think he could add six, seven steals tonight if they get in foul trouble. But yeah, with how with how New York was playing, they play like they've never met each other that's a team that is outright obviously tanking yeah it's 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 very bad I mean I don't know what's going on with Emmanuel Moutier but I remember him having a nice start to the season now he's just like not playing I don't I don't know why I mean he's not hurt he's just like yeah you're good so why don't you just you're gonna go to the bench you're gonna barely play just don't talk about it I know this is not a locked on Knicks but if you just think really quick before we're in today's podcast a next question to end things just if they don't get Kevin Durant they don't win the lottery just I don't know what that team is gonna do I think they they have to get somebody at this point. They're going to pay somebody. They they made Jimmy Butler max. Yeah, exactly, or Kemba or something like that. But um, and I guess the one thing we should close with is we've gone over the the lottery odds a million times. People should know by now. But there's still people on Twitter yeah, who think that point. who Thank think you. that this matters. Thank you. Uh, this was a game, obviously, that is fun just because it's two two worst teams in the league. And oh, who's who's actually the worst? The Knicks. I think we can clearly say that now. But this isn't like last year where that Grizzlies game at the end of March was like, holy crap, here we go. This is 
both of these teams are pretty much locked into the same odds yeah. for the number one pick at 14% this summer. So this game was funny for those reasons, but it did not impact anything. Yeah. They're both still in the one and two spots for Zion, and that's all. If you're thinking this ruined the Zion changes, it really didn't. actually boosted the locker room's morale and also helped them at the same time. Changed so nothing. Changed nothing at all. And you, I looked at the Tankathon standings before we talked to Igor Koshkov today, and the Suns are now half game ahead of the Knicks in the reverse standings. But between the spots between where they are and number four, so the numbers one through three, who have 14%, like you mentioned there, for them to even get to the number four spot before the end of the season, they're four and a half games ahead of number yeah. four. Like, there's no way that's happening. Yeah, happen. Chicago and Atlanta have been winning so much that they separated themselves. So the Suns have nothing to worry about as far as the lottery goes. Yep, exactly. So that that's a good note to close on, guys. Appreciate you listening. The Suns are streaking three out of, three straight for the last five in this 107-96 winner of New York Knicks. Until then, guys, we'll be back to you guys tomorrow to recap the numbers and go over all this hoopla with the Phoenix Suns, ladies. Appreciate you listening in.